UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. So what was it like to be in Arizona for the Super Bowl? Quentin Lucas knows. He was there for the big game, and he's now back in our studios gearing up for tomorrow's Super Bowl championship parade and the NFL draft coming up in April. Oh, and there's the opening of that new airport terminal to talk about as well. Mayor, good to have you. Welcome back from sunny Arizona. It is great to be back in Kansas City. How much fun did you have down there? You know, it had a wonderful time seeing people from Kansas City, some who were ticketed for the Super Bowl, others who just drove from our region all the way there just to, to be, be there. part of the festivities. So yeah. it was a, a great time and then a thriller of a game. I'm really happy about the outcome. I bet you are. What is the mayor of one of the cities represented in the big game wind up doing in the hours before kickoff? You know, you actually do have a decent number of things to do through the weekend. And so I've, I've now been to three Super Bowls, which is something, and uh, <laughs> a, a great part of the job requirement, yeah, I guess. I was going to say. But uh, you, you visit with some of the other elected officials. So I spent time with the mayor of Phoenix, Arizona, the governor of Arizona, talked to some of our own folks, including Governor Mike Parson of Missouri. You also add time to really just get a chance to visit with fans, go to more fan festivals and events. And there's always a business element of it, which is to try to attract other businesses to Kansas City, to our region. And so I visited with a number of different folks, both around the Super Bowl and elsewhere, to get them interested in investing in Kansas City. So it's something of a whirlwind. It is. It was not a, a relaxing time necessarily. It was instead a time where we had a chance to really, I think, uh, wave the flag of Kansas City mm-hmm. and then certainly support the team. And now we come back with some new ideas, new connections, and hopefully more money long term. So now you're back. We have this big parade tomorrow. How ready is the city for this thing? The city is incredibly ready. <laughs> so uh, we have been blessed in recent years to go through a Royals parade, which many of us remember and were able to attend back in 2015. The Chiefs Parade in 2020, and now this one. Each time you will see material improvements, more porta potties, more opportunities for child reunification spaces. Frankly, this isn't our first rodeo. Yes, absolutely. More accessibility spaces. And so we have really thousands of city employees, including law enforcement, our waste management crews, so many others who are ready to help support the parade tomorrow. We just need people coming out to be safe, be smart, and be as kind as they possibly can to city workers. You know, the city manager was in here yesterday, Brian Platt, talking about the price tag for this parade, $1.5 million, give or take. Um, Is the city bearing the entire cost of this parade? You know, the city puts a lot up for this parade. There is $750,000, which is a direct appropriation from city council. We expect probably up to a million dollars or so of overtime. That's Kansas City Police Department, our fire department folks, and public works who are doing a lot of the trash pickup and beyond. And so that is a high cost from taxpayers of Kansas City to help support it. You getting contributions from Jackson County or anywhere else? So I know Jackson County uh, thus far has a plan to contribute $50,000 towards that cost. I think I've, I've heard some rumblings that that might be expanded to something up to seventy five. Now, when you talk about a cost of almost $2 million, that doesn't get us all the way there. I know the Sports Complex Authority may put in $50,000 as well, but this is something where I think Kansas City taxpayers do a lot 
to help support something that is a true regional event? You know, you read about these parades, and what you read is that owners of NFL Super Bowl winning teams oftentimes pay for the entire parade or a big chunk of it. That's not happening here? You know, that's that's not the Kansas City story thus far. It's always mm-hmm. something I think that we'd be happy to discuss further with the Chiefs. I know that uh, we are, are doing a lot, and particularly when you looked at a year like 2020 where there were real fiscal challenges, it is not necessarily easy for us to put it on. That being said, I know the Chiefs are participants in a few different investments and enterprises in Kansas City coming up, none greater than the 2026 World Cup. I know they will be part of the NFL draft and helping fund that. And I know on the private fundraising side, the Sports Commission does important work with a lot of our partners, including the Chiefs, to make sure there are private funds to help make sure we can uh, pull this event off at the level I think Kansas Cityans have grown to expect. But if I'm hearing you right, a little help you would be, would be appreciated. Well, we would always appreciate yeah. a little help. Certainly, this is a taxpayer cost, and the, the less we can have taxpayers fund, and, and if others are willing to do it, we're always happy to take the contribution. How many people are you expecting tomorrow? What's the latest guesstimate? You know, my, my guesstimate right now would be somewhere, particularly looking at a, a positive weather forecast, 700, 750,000 people at least. Wow. It may well get higher. We were dealing with those temperatures in the teens several years ago. We're in that 500 to 600 range. The Royals parade, of course, was off the charts Uh at about 800. But, of course, that was like the nicest day ever on November 3rd, 2015. But we're expecting a pretty good crowd, so we do encourage folks, get there, get there early, get there in a good festive spirit. Okay, here's a sports-related question for the mayor of Kansas City. Does it feel to you like the Chiefs are building a dynasty Yes, absolutely. I mean, and I I read a piece just this morning about it on The Athletic. I'll I'll give some uh, writer credit to Rustin Dodd. I think what you are seeing is their ability to reshape that team. There actually weren't that many players still here who were on the 2020 Super Bowl squad. Not many at all. I mean, it's astonishing. Yeah, And And when you see how they've been able, through good draft picks, good trades, to rebuild that offense, to build a much stronger defense, which we saw in the game on Sunday, making an important late stop of Jalen Hurts and the Eagles team. You know, I think this is a team that is built very well. Brett Veach has proven himself to be an exceptional administrator for the team. And uh, Andy Reid, of course, I think right now is the best coach active in the National Football League. Not a bad combination of of factors there, right? right? Well, let's turn to some uh, items in the news, Mayor. So much going on. You've been doing news conferences from the new uh, airport Mm -hmm. terminal up at KCI. What do you make of it, and when's when's it going to open? Our new KCI terminal will open, actually, we've been saying on time and on budget, before time and on budget. So I'm excited. It opens February 28th, which is incredibly soon, two weeks off. Right. February 27th, we have a big event. We look forward to perhaps you being there and others, and I think there'll be some special speakers that make this memorable. Right. And we are doing a stress test today with thousands of Kansas Cityans seeing how the new airport works, seeing if we can work out some of the kinks, perhaps, that exist there. And I, I am thrilled. You know, I flew out to the Super Bowl last Thursday night, actually on the same Southwest Airlines flight as George Brett and a number of other very huh. excited Kansas Cityans. Right. And it was a little bittersweet seeing the old place. You know, I think for all the last of us, time for yeah, you. Yeah, last time for me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us will have 
wonderful memories about our first trip out of KCI or maybe dropping off kids to college. I haven't hit that yet, but any number of things. And so <laughs> a little ways to go there. <laughs> just a little yeah. bit of time and yeah. money left to do it. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm excited about what we were able to build at the new KCI. Our workers have done a wonderful job, and I think Kansas Cityans will be proud of it. I mean, this is really a new day for the city. I mean, an important yeah. new gateway, as we've been talking about for years here. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting. As someone who grew up here, and I've been reading your work much of my life, so I know you've been chronicling this city for some time. It is a it is just this amazing time. I don't quite know how to describe it, but both the chief success, but matched with so much success for the city, the new KCI terminal, streetcar expansion, women's soccer stadium on the riverfront. And I will even add, because I know your crowd cares about these sorts of things, right? Affordable housing investments, really doing new work on homelessness. We are trying to build a city that is in its best position, I'd like to say ever, to do the big ticket things, but also address the things that can make this a truly great city to live in for everyone in our region. But as you know, challenges remain. Let's uh, turn uh, topics here and uh, point to that report on the Kansas City Fire Department mayor, which revealed big problems with the department's culture. Some firefighters reported that they had been grabbed in sexually inappropriate ways, subjected to racial slurs at fire stations. The city's taken steps the last two years to improve working conditions there. But I'm wondering, why hasn't that been enough? Uh, Because the report suggests it hasn't been anywhere near enough. You know, I could give you the politician's answer. I could give you the real answer. I think it is fair for anyone who's been looking at our fire department for years to note, and this was raised in the report, that while administrators may change, sometimes changing culture is a lot harder. It requires the cooperation of the union. It requires the cooperation of a lot of folks who have had, I think, some influence on that department for decades, if not generations. And so I think... You may keep seeing these sorts of things if we don't actually say and make it clear that our culture is changing, that there is a new day. And I say this with respect to the women and men of the Kansas City Fire Department, but we need to make sure that it's a space where everyone, regardless of background, particularly women in the fire department, particularly minorities on the fire department who've had concerns, feel like any concerns or grievances they have will be addressed fully and fairly without actually being caught up or held up by anybody along the way who may say, all right, we hear you, but we're not going to push for, I think, the type of aggressive change sometimes that we need. But this wasn't happening two years ago when these concerns first began to surface? I think it is fair to say that we continue to improve. I think that our our last fire chief, Donna Lake, our first female fire chief, worked hard to change a lot in the organization to make sure that folks could actually get the support that they need, particularly if they have some concerns. But I don't think we – I'll take this, and I've been in office for eight years almost. I don't think we have always done enough, and and I don't think even in the last eight years we have done enough to make that cultural change and shift that we need. People spend a lot of time talking about the Kansas City Police Department, and I can for hours with you on what we need to do there. But I think it is fair to say that in in the fire department, we also need to make sure that it is a culture that is welcoming, that is always accountable, and where we can make sure that if management is empowered, as it should be, to make some determination – that we at the city will stand with them. Is that the change that's needed? Your colleague on the city council, Mayor Dan Fowler, is talking about the need for what he calls massive changes. Is that the massive change that's needed? You know, having not heard what he had to say about that, I I think 
the massive change that is needed perhaps is similar to what I've just described. I think that the massive change needed, though, is that everyone is a part of it. And what do I mean by everyone? I mean the union is sitting at the table with us, looking through reports like this and saying, how can we do better? There is a black firefighters organization that has previously brought concerns to city council. We need to make sure we're listening to them and empowering their voices to see how we can do better. So to me, it isn't just so much that we pay for a report, that we have a city council presentation and that we say, all right, well, you know, we're, we'll do better and check in in two or three years. I think we need to look now at what is the holdup? Where is that point in the process where we are not seeing someone's interests or rights effectuated, and how can we change that as fully as we possibly need to? Because if this doesn't change, I'm sure you're looking at tens of billions of dollars in lawsuits here. I mean, it's, it, it's going to have to change one way or the other. You're absolutely right. Now, the city of Kansas City already faces a $32 million lawsuit. Now, right. it, it relates to an accident, but you can always kind of tie those to training and other issues. If you add on harassment, if you add on hostile workplace, it becomes becomes a real concern. And I think it is fair for the taxpayers to say, wait a minute, what is what is going on with all of this? What are we doing to change that culture at all both of our public safety departments? And I think that is something that needs to be done. It needs to be addressed now. But importantly, it needs to be something that isn't just a conversation at city council. I don't think there is an ordinance we can pass that changes the culture. I think it is making sure in our next fire chief hire, we have someone who has the strength who isn't looking over his shoulder or her shoulder about being terminated if they go too far and making sure that they can hold folks who commit wrongdoing accountable. Some people say that this report is exactly why the city needs to bring in a new chief from outside the department to clean house. Does that make sense to you? I, I certainly understand it. I'm someone who has brought in an outsider, or at least in the city manager position, and I think that was a good hire. I, throughout our police chief process, remained interested and, and did a fair evaluation of our outside candidates. I do think sometimes in Kansas City, we have this shortcoming, perhaps, that we say, uh, we'll look at the best person who's around now. And, and then we wonder years later why things don't change. Right. I think that this will be important for us to actually make sure that we, we look fairly nationally at, at who can be best to change the cultural issue, not just who's liked by their rank and file. You know, it's interesting what this report uh, pointed out, because it does get to some things that just have you shaking your head. One finding, firefighters treat fire scenes in poorer neighborhoods differently from more affluent neighborhoods. That was one. Another finding, erratic driving on the way to fires was actually honored in some ways in some firehouses. What do you make of that? I think it is fair to say that the cultural challenges that we talk about aren't just in one place, which is is frustrating, but I think it at least is an honest assessment. It is easy for us to say, all right, we need to do more sensitivity training, but this isn't really that. This is instead the sort of thing that says you need a little more institutional control. You need to actually have somebody who's who's kind of minding the door to see what is happening, what is being tolerated. In the same way when you see investigations of, of NCAA teams where it seemed like there was a lot of stuff just happening. Yeah. I think what I hear from almost the cacophony of concerns is that they're saying folks are basically testing the limits and in too many situations getting away with it. There needs to be someone there that makes sure that there is a stop to it. And we need to, with our next fire chief, 
make that exceedingly clear that that is the job. The job isn't necessarily to be everybody's friend. The job isn't necessarily to even be the most technical expert on on how to deliver, I don't know, the best fire department performance. It really is to make sure that we're maintaining a culture that supports every person on our fire department, which will help us actually attract more firefighters, I think, deliver better public services to the people of Kansas City. We'll be right back. You know, the city council mayor just passed a resolution on how the proceeds from the 3% marijuana sales tax can be spent. Basically, the council decided one-third goes to trash pickup, a third to the city's homelessness response, and the final third to expand violence prevention efforts. How did the city come up with those three priorities for this money, and do you agree with the split that's been proposed here? So this was a, a proposal that I've actually introduced, and I believe the, the way that we have talked about it and discussed it is based on what we hear from the public. The public says there are serious concerns with all of those issues, and what happens year after year is we say there's not enough money. That, to me, is actually the real challenge. So how do we, in these chronically underfunded spaces, homelessness, trash pickup, particular illegal dumping, violence prevention, where every year we say there's just not enough to hit it, I think this is why we looked at these particular areas as distinct from, for example, the Kansas City Police Department, which in our budget proposal has a $280 million budget. This fund and percentage share of marijuana taxes predicted in year one to put about a million dollars into violence prevention. 280 million versus 1 million, we thought was a reasonable balance. Same things with investments like homelessness and trash pickup. Yeah, chronic problems that right. hang over your head every day. Of, and then every of day, I'm sure there could be a caller right now, particularly in certain parts of our city, disproportionately on the east side, who can say, you know what, I've been looking at this dumping space for the last year. We've got to do better. This allows us to do that. Let's go to Brandon from Kansas City. Brandon, you're on with the mayor. Good morning. Yeah, thank you, Steve. I, you know, I just want to point out that the, the mayor's been in office for four years and the chiefs have been to the Super Bowl in, in for three of those four years. And, and I don't think that's just a coincidence. I think the mayor needs right? to take some credit. <laughs> How much credit do you I deserve think, for that, Mayor? Uh, you, you know what, Brandon? I love you. And I promise that Brandon is not my brother or a campaign consultant. But yes, it has been a tremendous run over four years. And I do have this belief. Mind you, I'm not a quarterback or a kicker or anything like that. And but I you will could, know. You could be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. way back in high school, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, you know, three Super Bowls in four years, it has been something. But I think, you know, you make your own luck in the world. And so we have been fortunate in Kansas City. But you know what? A big part of it is this city, our fans have been supportive. They supported this team through some real tough times. This city has supported this team through some tough times. And uh, I'm proud to to be a kid who grew up in Kansas City. Could even imagine us going to a Super Bowl that I could watch on TV, let alone be the mayor for this Super Bowl team. There you go. Brandon, thanks for the call. Thank you. You know, Mayor, I'm struck by something else these days uh, from the news. The Missouri Chamber of Commerce has been decrying the violent crime rate in, in the state, and it's released a list of remedies that it would like the General Assembly to consider. But nowhere in that document is the word guns mentioned, at least yeah. at what I've seen, or the idea of getting, the, uh, get, getting guns out of the hands of dangerous people. What do you make of it? Well, it's it's what I might expect from a chamber of commerce that typically don't ever pick fights, but at least, I guess, a rallying around the idea that this is problematic. 
I, I think the, the they're, real, they're saying businesses in the state are hurting as a result they of are. the soaring crime rate. They're being they very clear about are. that. You know, I, I, I love the city of St. Louis and, and all of that. I don't mean to pick on them. But if you look at what's going on now, substantial companies, Express Scripts the other day, which has been in St. Louis forever, uh, so many others, Centene Corporation, have made very loud noises about potentially leaving the metropolitan area of St. Louis because of the crime issue. And Kansas City is not immune either. I think what we need to actually do is look at how do we actually cause gun violence. And I say that as a critique to the Missouri legislature, where violence is used solely as a political wedge issue. What they are doing right now in Jefferson City is merely attacking basically black women elected office holders, all of whom seem to be in St. Louis, Congresswoman Cori Bush, Prosecutor Kim Gartner, Mayor Tashara Jones. And they do that for political talking points, which are cheap, which scare their voters and scare their voters in continuing to vote for state senators and exurbs of St. Louis that will just push, I think, crazy ideas that have nothing to do with it being a, a safer place. I'll make this point on that briefly. Yeah. St. Louis had a white mayor, a white prosecutor, so and a white congressperson not long ago, and it was still a place that had substantial violent crime concerns because we're not actually addressing core issues. How do you invest in more opportunities in communities? How do you get guns off the streets? Until the chamber is willing to join us in that, I think we'll continue to see a status quo concern. I was going to say, how effective can this prescription from the chamber be if the word guns isn't part of the, the, the set of remedies here. It, it won't be at all. I mean, not at all. It, it, here's the challenge. We've, we have fought for the last several years on all types of things, public safety related, budgets and all of that. And I'll remind you in my own city, right, the police get a very substantial budget. They've basically been getting the 25%. We had a whole fight over. Right. And we still have really this terrible increase, this trend over the last three years of our most violent years in the city's history. Money is not enough. Just saying the same red meat buzzwords are not enough. You have to get to root causes and you have to have a state where you can get guns off the streets. Missouri is is opposed to that fundamentally in the Missouri legislature. And that is going to lead us to more concerns long term, particularly not just on homicides, but on gun related suicides, which are killing a number of Missourians and that we still have our heads in the sand and aren't willing to try to address. You know, I'm sitting here reflecting on what you're saying, and I can hear the words of Mayor James, your predecessor, yeah. saying very much the same thing. Here you are saying the same thing. There's got to be a level of frustration here. There's an incredible level of frustration because it actually impacts lives each and every day. I don't see the mass slaughter of young black men in particular on our streets to be a political talking point. I saw that Eric Schmidt used that in ads. I've seen that in every Republican candidate's campaign, it seems, in this state for some time. To me, it is heartbreaking. It is offensive. I think it's fundamentally racist. And I think it's the sort of thing that we need to actually try to change. If you care about saving lives in Missouri and our actual reputation as a state, then you'll actually say the word guns and recognize guns in the hands of the wrong people consistently has been a problem. And what we don't need to do is just lay longer sentences on on a few people, but instead actually give officers the tools to fight it, schools the tools to build stronger, better, better educated human beings, and frankly, to have a state that actually cares about growing people and growing opportunities so that folks don't have to resort to crime. We don't have those chats, and that's why it becomes a frustrating status quo for any of us in leadership. At the same time, some lawmakers in Jeff City, as you know, Mayor, are looking to place St. Louis's police department 
back under state control, going just the opposite direction that you'd like to see happen here in Kansas City. What do you make of that? What does that do to our chances here? Yeah, I mean, look, controlling black lives has been something that people who are, um, if not fundamentally racist or latently racist have been doing in this state for really since it's founded. And so I think this is the exact thing that you're seeing here. Um, It is an easy talking point if you live somewhere that is not St. Louis or Kansas City to say, look at, and I'm saying race a lot because it fundamentally relates to it. Look at the scary black people in this city who are running things now. This was not a conversation under the 16-year tenure of white Mayor Francis Slay. It was not a conversation under Mayor Lida Cruzen, a white woman who was the mayor previous to this one in St. Louis. And it's it's the sort of thing that, to me, relates fundamentally to control. There is no one in the Missouri legislature who can tell us how St. Louis would be safer under state control, because the case in point is Kansas City, Missouri, which had its most violent year in 2020. I don't think they are interested in solutions. They're interested in trying to build statewide campaigns that are based on basically Fox News red meat. And it is heartbreaking and it is frustrating. I'm happy to sit down with anybody in the Missouri legislature legislature who wants to talk about how we can be safer. So far, almost no one on the right has been interested in that conversation. Mayor Quentin Lucas is in the House. Uh, We're going to switch topics here for the final minutes we have him. You're on the hook now to appoint a commission to study the possibility of black reparations in Kansas City. When do you expect to name that commission? And have you formed any opinions yet as to what those reparations should look like? I believe there was a 90-day instruction to to form that committee. So I have probably till mid-April. I I do expect to look at there are folks that have already reached out, folks from all backgrounds, by the way, not just black folks, but all types of people. And I I look forward to looking at those folks and their applications and evaluating them. There are a few things that I think are going to be very important as to what we do with reparations. The first is I think we do need to do a full inventory of what has gone wrong in the past. I talk to people sometimes who say, all right, but I didn't own a slave or I wasn't on the city council in 1880. But the amazing thing is the truce divide is not accidental. The the patterns in which we live today are not just mere happenstances of history. They are based on acts that we as a city, businesses in this city, media in this city took to try to make sure that I think a class of persons would be subjugated. And they were incredibly effective in doing so. And so to me, I think we look at the core of the problem, and that's how we start building the solutions. For me, I think it it is less likely that it is just a cash transfer. It is more likely it's the sort of thing of how do we reinvest and rebuild in areas that we have traditionally underinvested. And that to me is what I think, uh, what I'd like to see out of the reparations. But I'm hearing from the tone of your voice that you want these reparations, whatever they turn out to be, to be meaningful, to be significant. Yeah, Yeah, I, I think, and I think I want them to be the sort of thing that actually can create monumental change in areas of the city and for populations of our city that have been traditionally left out. I can talk to you forever about health outcomes, housing outcomes, and beyond. I think that this is the work we need to do to build a better city, to have have one that can have Super Bowl parades, but also everybody's lives having the chance to be uplifted. Monumental change suggests lots of money. I do think money is a part of it. I, Mm -hmm. I don't think that this can be a great city with a big chunk of our population not being able to reach its full potential sometimes. And and we talk about attracting young people all the time. 
What we don't talk about is the fact that we have about 150,000 persons on the east side of Kansas City who right now don't have access to the same resources, groceries, and education that people do in our suburbs or in other parts of KC. That's what needs to change. Okay. Uh, let me go to I have a f- one phone call here from Ben. Let me grab it before you go, Mayor. Ben from Midtown. You're on up to date, Ben. Hey, regarding the reparations issue, and I know the mayor just addressed this, a lot of people say, hey, I didn't own a slave or my family didn't, wasn't here, that kind of thing. But there are businesses that operate in this town, like Commerce Bank, and I'm not trying to accuse them directly, but they've been in Kansas City since the end of the Civil War. And certainly their policies uh, would have affected redlining, the creation of the truce divide and these other things. And they, you know, that would be an entity that could be held directly responsible for actions that it partook in in the past. Well, let's move Commerce Bank out of the question just for a moment, Mayor. Do you expect that private businesses could be brought to account here as you move forward? That is our expectation. And that is part of what I expect our, our research to be able to, to yield. And not just businesses, by the way, in Kansas City. Many businesses that were founded here have either moved to the suburbs or beyond. But I think it is important for us to have a, a full picture of things. And, and really, conversations about race, and we're in the middle of Black History Month, are always interesting because people do get very defensive as the caller addresses. But I think what we need to do more than defensiveness is get to the truth. And if you get to the truth, it allows you to atone for mistakes of the past and see how can we do better? How can we improve? How do we create a scholarship program, an internship program, true investments in communities, perhaps, where we have done wrong in the past? And I don't think that should just be a city hall conversation. That needs to be a conversation for everyone, truly everyone in this region, which is something that we don't do nearly enough. That's Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas. He'll be in the parade tomorrow, right? I will be in the parade. There Wave you go. It, folks. Look forward to it. Okay. Appreciate your time, Mayor. Always do. Thanks so much. Up to Date is produced by Zach Wilson, Reginald David, Elizabeth Ruiz, Zach Perez, and Hannah Cole. Our intern is Claudia Brancart. Our announcer and engineer is Paul Nakatura. Our theme music is composed and performed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.